Good morning, church. Welcome those who are also online worshiping with us, and uh, glad you're, you're here as well. Um, so, um, got to fill in the blank here for you. Life is a, a blast. I like that one, you know. Um, bowl full of cherries, yeah. Um, some say life is a beach. Others might use another B word. Life is a bummer. Um, here are some life is a quotes um, from some famous folks. Life is a complex matter, Walt Disney. Life is a lot like jazz, best when you improvise, George Gershwin. Life is a highway, I want to ride it all night long, Tom Cochran. Life is a painting and you are the artist, Paul Mayer. Life is a moderately good play with a badly written third act, Truman Capote. Probably that stated from his third act. <laughs> Life is a tragedy when seen close up, but a comedy in long shot, Charlie Chaplin. Life is a crazy ride and nothing is guaranteed, Eminem. And life is a gamble, Muhammad Ali. Uh, life is a, how does, how does God's word complete that? Well, life is a gift, uh, absolutely. But in, in Hebrews 12, we see that life is a race, a race. Well, what is this race and how do we run? That's what we want to consider this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible turned uh, to it or your device turned to it, uh, uh, Hebrews, actually we're going to start in chapter 11, verse 39 and get a, a run up to chapter 12. But uh, beginning Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Life is a race. Uh, and the running is not a gentle jog. Uh, the word run suggests a vigorous effort, running all out with, with all we've got, and not just for 100 yards. It's an endurance race. Uh, the writer of Hebrews has spoken constantly of endurance. Three times in our passage here, this word is used. And endurance means to, to stand under. Uh, in the face of hardship or difficulty, you plant your feet, you stand your ground under it, and strong standing in running means run with stamina, with durability, with resilience. Well, why is that? Well, it's because of the nature of the race. The nature of the race. This word race in Greek is agon, from which we get our word agony. It means dual, 
conflict or deal. This is not a, a puffy kind of word. Uh, it's used of wrestlers and not the friendly competition kind, but brutal, a brutal contest with a fierce opponent. Uh, life is an agonizing struggle. Now, that's not all it is, but, but that's certainly what Hebrews 12 is saying, that, that life is, is this too, an agonizing struggle, and that's a rather sobering statement. But notice something else about this race. It's planned nature. Planned nature, the race set before you. The NIV has the race marked out for us. If you've ever run a marathon or been a cross-country runner, um, planners went before you and planned out the race course. Okay, through streets, woods, around lakes, uh, up and down steep hills, over rough terrain. A race course is planned out ahead of time. Well, who's the planner of our course? God. Our course is not happenstance. It's not fate. The sovereign God is the race planner. And yet, there's not one course that we all run. It's not the same course for everyone. Everyone's course is different. You know, for these Hebrew Christians, uh, you know, verse 4 tells us they're in their battle against sin, they had not resisted to the point of shedding blood. Some had, but they had not. But here's what they did endure from chapter 10, verse 32, or two, quote, they endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And that suffering included public reproach, beatings, prison, and having their property plundered. What course has been set before you? Uh, maybe it is rejection and ridicule because you're a follower of Jesus. Or maybe for you right now, it's a difficult illness, a difficult family situation, loss of work, loss of opportunity, loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a situation uh, or just a time of life that, that challenges you and you fear you don't have what it takes to make it through. I mean, look around you here in this room. Every single person here has a course that has been marked out for them and they are running in it. We all have a race and none of our courses is identical. And who can really understand the mystery of this? I mean, why, why does God set a particularly difficult course in front of this one? and a seemingly easier course in front of that one. We don't understand this. Why are we in the American church not being put to death for our faith, but Christians in the Muslim world are? This mystery of God's sovereignty here, it's perplexing to us at times. And often when tragedies overwhelm us, and our course is tough going, it is easy to feel life's out of control and even God himself has become reckless and careless, uncaring in our lives. Um, a few years ago, uh, actually a couple years ago, I think Megan uh, Rapino, uh, one, one of the greatest women soccer uh, stars of, of our day, um, she tore her Achilles tendon just while running up the field. I mean, didn't hit anybody. Uh, she just fell down to her Achilles attendant. Uh, that was her last game, and it was definitely uh, a career ender for her. 
And she, while, while, nodded, while admitting she's not religious at all, she said of her situation that it was proof that God does not exist. Because if God is God and is good, stuff like that shouldn't happen. It just didn't make sense. And she, she kind of got beat up uh, in, in the Christian press for that. And I thought, you know, we are so ignorant at times because we are all in those shoes of hers from time to time. Every one of us. We're all practical atheists and agnostics when the bad comes our way. And we don't understand it. And we feel like we got a bad shake from God. And we doubt his care. We doubt maybe even he exists. But what Hebrews 12 is saying is that what happens to you, what's going on in your life right now is not a mistake. It is not a fluke. God is the sovereign course planner for the race that you and I are given to run. Now, we may not like aspects of it. We may not understand why, Lord, this. But what we can understand is the point of it all and the point of every race. And it, it, the point is that it is a race of faith. You see, what we, the course we have in front of us is going to reveal what is in here. What our faith really is in, if it's in self or if it's in the Lord. And this is, this is, for, this is true for Christian and non-Christian alike. And so the, the course that we're, we're running Regardless of what comes our way, uh, the, the thing we're trusting in, it's going to come out in God's purpose in all this. The mystery of his providence is that we will run to him, not away from him, but to him. I mean, this is, this is true for non-Christians. When humbled, exposed, threatened, undone, let that lead you to the Lord, not away from the Lord. And for Christians... We're in a race. Our course, it may cover some really difficult terrain, but that, that's intended to, to help us turn toward the Lord and run by faith in Him. Okay, but how do we really do that? I mean, what, what does this running by faith in the Lord look like? Well, as we uh, look at this in Hebrews 12, um, there are three things that running by faith involves. Fans, freedom, and focus. Fans, freedom, and focus. First of all, seeing the fans around us. Uh, Verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Okay, these are the Hebrews 11 saints who line the way. Who also ran by faith. The race that was marked out for them. But the point here. Is, is not that they are watching us run. We are to be watching them as we run and listening to them because they've all got a testimony. You know, Noah is there shouting to us, by faith in God's promises, I built an ark, took me over 100 years, I was mocked, I was made fun of. Keep going when mocked and misunderstood. It's worth it. God is faithful. Sarah is there. I was barren. 
Yet I conceived a child in my womb. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises and you can trust his promises too in the barren places of your life. Keep running. Samson is there. I was a moral mess. And of course, Rahab chimes in. So was I. I was a total pagan. And then they say it together, but we trusted God's word. We relied on him and he delivered us and he will you too. Keep running. David, Samuel, Enoch, countless prophets, unnamed men and women through victory and defeat, life and death. We ran by faith, seeing him who's invisible, trusting that he is the God who exists and he's the kind of God who gives good things to those who seek him. We were looking for the city whose architect and builder is God himself. We didn't see it in our earthly race, but it's coming. God's going to bring it. Keep running. He's faithful. You know, when our race race is tough and we think we can't go on, we can't put another step forward, these saints line the way. You go back through Hebrews 11, read the stories of faith of these people. Which one of them speaks to, to the course that you are having to run right now? Listen to them in their race. See and hear their encouragement. We ran So can you. God is faithful. Trust him. Be attentive to the fans who line the way. But running by faith also involves freedom, and that's getting free from entanglements. Uh, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. You know, if a marathoner stepped up to the line uh, dressed in a business suit, Uh, or maybe a skirt and high heels, um, you would know they are ill-prepared to run. (laughs) They're going to drop out very quickly. To be dressed to run, for the ancients, uh, they took off most of their clothes, almost ran naked, so that nothing would cling to them or get in the way. Well, what does it mean for us to, as it were, strip down and run with freedom? Well, most commentators think of the weights here Uh, as good things that can become too important. Uh, TV, social media, music, video games, sports, uh, some habit. I mean, the list is just endless. And and it's not that there's a rule across the board, you know, say no to all these or even any of it. The, the The point really is not that, you know, what's wrong with these things, but do these help us run? You know, does this strengthen my faith in God? And if it doesn't, but gets in the way, well, then lay it aside. And, and certainly, you know, the sin, then, which clings so closely, means saying no to temptations, uh, fighting our besetting sins. Our author's going to name a few of these later, verse 15, uh, bitterness and sexual immorality. Well, sin trips us up. It causes us to take our eyes off of God. Weights can do the same thing. Uh, good things can become idols. Now, All of that, which I just said about weights and sin, I think is actually secondary to the primary argument of the book of Hebrews. From the beginning, the author has been speaking about how Jesus is better, better than anything, better than angels, better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than Aaron, better than the high priests. He's the better sacrifice for sins. Jesus brings a better covenant, one that forgives and removes the barrier of sin. And and why? Because he has offered the better blood. 
He has washed us in his blood. As John Newton says in his hymn, which we're going to sing in a bit, he has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has quenched Mount Sinai's flame. He has washed us in his blood. He has brought us near to God. Okay, that is the argument in the book of Hebrews. And so wait, in the mind of the author, is actually the law going back to the law as a means of of getting ourselves right before God. The law is good for showing us our sin, but it's a horrible weight to have to carry around. And under the law, you know, there there might be special days and feasts. You know, interesting, Paul, uh, on one of his missionary uh, journeys, he took a vow. He grew his hair and then had a cut, uh, cancrea. Uh, and then he came to Jerusalem and offered sacrifices, remember, to, to pay for the vows of others. So even Paul felt free at times to observe certain Jewish laws, but not as a means anymore of trying to earn God's favor. Paul says in Colossians 2.16, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. You know, there's freedom there, he's saying, but let no one pass judgment on you. Why? Because these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Well, what, what law are you tempted to add back to your life? You know, Jesus plus this. And it might be a good thing, but that good thing is a dead weight. It actually hinders faith. We need to guard against making good things law, especially putting these things on others. If you were a good Christian, you would. And we've all got our pet projects and and systems that we think if anybody did this, you know, God would bless you. Those things do not save, Jesus does. And we cannot keep that distinction clearly enough. They are weights. And the sin, then, that so easily entangles, sure, it can be our besetting sins, but at heart, it's unbelief. It's turning away from Jesus to self or some other human system of salvation. These Hebrew Christians, they were tempted to turn away from Jesus and actually go back to the Old Testament law. Well, the point in verse 1 is not to double down on some behavior but actually to run in freedom from the law by believing Jesus, the Lord, his promise of grace. I've been washed in the blood of Christ. I'm a member of the new covenant. I have full access to God through Christ. Wow, when you run in that, you're talking about freedom. Well, this then, we have fans and we have the freedom, uh, but then there's, there's also the focus, and the focus is Jesus, okay? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Verse, verse two here, keep your eyes on Jesus. And this is not fundamentally uh, looking at Jesus as our example, um, although he certainly is that, but it's the idea that Jesus is present with us while we're running. If he's the perfecter of our faith, you know, the the tense there carries the force of, hey, he's right there working in you, through you, perfecting your faith. And so Jesus really is, is the focus of our faith. He's the finish of our faith. 
And what we're racing toward really is him. And this is, this is the goal line. It's Christ, running to Christ, seeking him. And here he is with us, cheering us on. He says, your course is tough, I know, so is mine. Jesus endured hostility from sinners. He endured the cross and the shame that was heaped on him. But look at how he ran. He despised the shame. He turned his back on it, and and instead, he let joy flood his soul. What joy is this? It's the joy of going home, the joy of being seated at the right hand of, of God on the throne there. But it was also the joy of you and me, Christian. He was going home, but he wasn't going alone. He was bringing us with him. You know, the only thing Jesus didn't have before coming to earth was us. And for the joy set before him, gaining us, he came to earth and got into the race. His course was brutal. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. But upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. What is the course like right now that that you are running, that is marked out for you? Where it may be arduous, dark, twisted, look at Jesus. You are not running alone. When verse 2 speaks of Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith, as founder or author, what that means is he has given you faith as a gift. He has given you eyes to see him, ears to hear him, that you may believe the promises that he's given and trust his faithfulness, own this faith, this gift of faith that you've been given and that will be perfected in you. Jesus does not abandon his own. He is working to build, to strengthen, and to perfect our faith. We don't always understand, you know, why my course takes the turns and dips that it does. But when it does, we have a faithful Savior who turns and dips with us. Working in the agony to perfect our faith. That is to draw us nearer to himself. That we may know more of his life, his love, his sweetness, his goodness, his presence. Where is your course taking you right now? For what terrain are you, are you running in life? Whatever you may be enduring, when you think about it, this really is your, your only opportunity to run that course by faith. Someday our faith is going to be sight. We won't have these opportunities in eternity. And so your course now, as you run by faith, clinging to the promises of of your good and faithful one, seeking to treasure him above all else, that's running by faith. And that's the opportunity before us. And we we do so looking to Jesus. He ran by faith, a course full of suffering, and he ran with joy seeking you. And whatever struggle you may have to endure um, by faith, run with joy, seeking him. Because his promise is, 
I will be found by you. I will be found by those who seek me. Amen.